Hi everybody and welcome to the Golders Podcast, where we aim to sprinkle particles of knowledge by engaging and educating. With your co-hosts, father and son duo, Keith and David Mayer. We're excited to have you on this journey with us and we know our wide variety of world-class guests will provide lots of value for our listeners. To ensure you stay up to date with everything we've got going on on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Today, we welcome Luke Chadwick onto the Golders podcast. Luke was a Premier League winner at Manchester United and has also played for a number of other top clubs. In this interview, Luke talks about his experiences playing under Sir Alex Ferguson, playing with Paul Scholes, and most importantly, touching on the mental health issues that affected him during his professional career. Hello, Luke. Welcome and thank you for being with us today. Listen, what have you been doing, by the way, over this unprecedented period of lockdown? It's been a such a strange situation, actually quite enjoyed the early weeks obviously I live in a quite a rural place a village where you don't really realize the enormity of the whole situation other than what you see on the the tv and the news which is obviously awful but I've just had loads of opportunity to spend with my wife and children which has been obviously brilliant to be completely honest with you now we're probably great on each other a little bit and it might be time for us to get back to work etc but it has been um it has been great to have that. I've got one boy who's 17, the other one's 14. So teenage boys like that, you don't tend to have as much time with them. So in that case, it's been a blessing. But I think we're all looking forward to getting back to some sort of normality now. Yeah, it's been a it's been time of reflection and learning, hasn't it? Definitely, yeah. I think I've never probably had this opportunity as a footballer and then when I've stopped playing to really think about life in general, really think about what shaped us, what sort of things happen. And it has been a fantastic opportunity to really reflect and then sort of gain a little bit of knowledge about yourself, ready to sort of move on and progress once we once we get back to normal. Yeah, sure. And on reflection, you're an ex-professional footballer. Share with us your formative years on what they were like and if you have any boyhood memories. Yes, I'd say... The biggest memory I've got, my first memory of football was probably my dad taking me to my first ever football game. I think I played in the garden with my brother and dad before that, but probably at the age of six or seven, I went and watched um, Cambridge United at the Abbey Stadium. It's the first live game I've ever been to and I, I was completely hooked. I just It blew my mind being in the stadium, all the crowd, being so close to the players. And I think ever since then, I just thought that's what I want to do. I, I want a piece of that. I want to be a professional footballer. So that, that was definitely the, the earliest memory I've got of football. Back when I started playing, I think we you didn't start organised football till you was an under nine player. So I, I played for the first team I played for was called Melbourne Tigers. We were eight, nine-year-old kids playing on the 11-a-side pitch with 11-a-side goals. And it was just, looking back now, it was crazy really. But at the time, I was the fastest boy around. So I used to stand up front. The other kids used to whack the ball over the defenders' heads. The goalkeeper had never come out. So I'd chase after the ball and sort of tap it in the goal. So I think it was that real joy that I got in terms of the successes I had as a real young player that really gave me that belief to, to kick on and really practice and do, carry on doing what I loved. Look, you've mentioned 
that as a young boy, you, you dreamt of playing professional football. You went to that game and you saw what was going on and you wanted a piece of it. How old were you when you actually went to United? To, to Man United, I, I went up there the first time I went to Man United, I would have been 14 at the time, 14 going into my under-15s year. I played for Arsenal Centre of Excellence as an under-13 player. Then it was in my under-14 year that I moved over and went to, to Man United. You made the switch there. Yeah, so it, it was like a completely different era back then in terms of I played for when I went into year nine at school I went started playing for the Cambridge schoolboy team so back in them days it was the school's fixtures that were probably the biggest football you played so I'd play I'd go and play train for Arsenal once at Highbury in an indoor facility once a week and then I'd play for the schoolboy team on a Sunday but probably the more important football at the time the more competitive football was playing for Cambridge schools and it was there where I was scoring a lot of goals and sort of got quite a lot of recognition from, I got scouted to go for a week's trial at Manchester United. So it was obviously quite a big thing for a little, for a lad that lived in a tiny little village in the south of Cambridge to get that opportunity. So it was, um, I thought quite highly of myself back then, that's for sure, in terms of going to school with me Man United jumper on and all that sort of malarkey. Look, how did you, so you played for, you went up to United, you, went, you spent a week up there, and then, yeah, so I, how did that work? You, were you travelling, commuting? So it was um, the school holidays, and I got invited over, and we, I think um, the scout, Ray Medwell, God rest his soul, he's, um, he was a scout at the time, and a massive influence in my career. He was a scout in my sort of area, and took me up to Manchester, and there's probably about 14, 15 young kids from all over Britain, obviously considered gifted footballers that were up for a trial and we got put up in the Castlefield Hotel. And the second that I sort of arrived at Manchester United, I've never had a feeling like it. I was a painfully shy young man with no sort of social skills whatsoever. And I needed to feel comfortable in my environment to sort of get the best out. I mean, the second I arrived at Manchester United, I just felt the environment was special. It was incredible. You were made to feel like a million dollars as a 14, 15-year-old boy, and I, I just fell in love with it. Arsenal, a fantastic football club, of course, but I just never, I'd never really wanted to go. I'd obviously enjoy playing football. I was more happy playing with my mates at home in the village I lived. I always used to make an excuse up at times to I wouldn't have to go training or not playing the game. But the second that I just went to United, I just, I loved it. The people were incredible. The other players just, it was just, I can't describe how you were made to feel and the environment that was there. I'm sensing just from the energy of your voice that going back in time about those wonderful experiences, those footballing memories that have encapsulated you and helped partly shape who you are now, which is, which is great. So just, when you went up to United, what, what sort of things were you doing? What I mean, we talk about the special stuff and what was it, just football? I know we know it's football, but was it, what made it special? It, it was the football. It was, all I cared about was football. I just loved playing football so much. I probably spent the most time in my life, in my formative years, playing football by myself in the garden, out in the garden or in the living room of a softball. I just loved fantasising about 
being a footballer and playing in all these stadiums. And when I went up to United, it just it seemed like everyone was like that. Everyone just loved the game so much. It was like being in my living room playing with a ball, but with 20 other guys and the coaches felt exactly the same way. The first time I went up there, the, the week ended with a game at Littleton Road against Nottingham Forest. And Sir Alex Ferguson was there watching the game, which completely blew my mind at the time. Then we were dropped at the minibus back at, back at Manchester Piccadilly Station. I got about three trains home. It took me about six hours to get home. And then I got to the village where I lived. My mum picked me up from the train station and said that Sir Alex Ferguson had called her up that afternoon and asked me if I'd sign for the club. And I thought, to, to start with, I thought she's mucking about here. But as soon as I heard that, then what are you going to do? I just, it was that sort of minute attention to detail. It weren't, I remember years later, I played, was playing in the first team and I was at the, in the canteen at Carrington and there was some under 10, 11 academy boys there and the manager come in and he knew every one of their names. He knew their parents' names. He knew a little detail about them. And it, it's that him, the genius of that man that allowed that environment from the whole club for everyone to pull together. And he just felt part of it straight away. So, Luke, you've got that call from Sir Alex Ferguson that your mum's told you about. You've obviously signed. You've gone to United. You've signed. You've spent a few years there. How did it feel when you ran out onto Old Trafford for the first time? I remember the first time I played for the first team at, um, in the Premier League at Old Trafford. I, I think we were playing mid. Well, no, I was saying I think I know very well. I can remember it like it was yesterday. We were playing Middlesbrough, and we were winning one nil. And there must have been about two minutes left, and the, the manager told me that I was going on. I just can't explain obviously there was a lot of nerves but there's that feeling of just sheer excitement and I remember just I played for two minutes and I must have run a marathon in that two minutes just chasing the ball around like a fly obviously just trying to get I just remember we had an England under 21 game that we were going straight away for after so they had like a car waiting for us to get in so gotcha and I just had a, a permanent grin on my face for probably the next three days that I'd I'd Played for Man United at Old Trafford in the Premier League. It was um, and it, obviously an incredible, incredible feeling to have done that, even for that short amount of time. I think that's one of those things that kids dream of. It's one of the iconic stadiums in the world, and to run out and make your debut there must have been special. Now, you played 30 times for United in an era when they were dominant. I mean, they were the, they were the force in Europe. Can you share a few names of who were in who was in the United squad that you played in? So when I was, I went on loan to Royal Antwerp in Belgium, and when I come back, I was straight into the first team squad, and it was the likes of Bartez was in goal, Gary Neville, Yapstam, Ronnie Johnson, Dennis Irwin, Giggs, Keane, Butt, Scholes, Beckham, then obviously Solskjaer, Sheringham. York and Cole as well. I mean, it weren't um, it weren't a bad squad to be part of. I mean, it doesn't have to just be from United. But if you were to pick the three best players you played with, who were they, and what made what what was it about them that made them so special? The best one, and obviously this is from a team of world class players, was Paul Scholes, who was probably the best player every day that I trained with the squad. He was just a genius. It was 
he could just do everything. He was always, the way that he had eyes in the back of his head, he could run a training session just playing off one touch, a small-sided game, he'd score the most goals. It, the, he could just do absolutely everything. He wouldn't he'd come out on the, he used to drive the manager mad, he used to come out on the training pitch, wouldn't warm up, he'd be loved smashing balls about as hard as he could without warming up. Then we'd go into a rondo every day. I can't even hardly remember that him going in the middle in the rondo because he was just so good. And then the training start, he was an absolute genius. And obviously saying that is quite a big statement considering mm. the other players that there. That I'd say in terms of technical ability and the brains of the man, Skulls was the best. In terms of a leader, the ultimate captain, I'd have to say Roy Keane, it, it was um, a nightmare at times being on his team in training. We used to joke about, me and a couple of the other young lads, when we went into small-sided games that we'd hope and pray we weren't on his team because, you know, if you were, he was in for a tough time if you didn't win the game. He was, but off the pitch, he's probably not recognised enough of what a man that he was. He'd look after the, not just the young players, he'd look after everyone. There's times I didn't drive at the time where he'd go out his way to, to pick me up from training, to take me to the training ground. He was an absolute wonderful captain, the, the ultimate captain, I'd say. If I picked a third, it's a, a real tough one. I'd probably say, because he was perfect for me in the way that, that I played in terms of a striker that had knocked the ball into spaces for me to run after and playing one-twos with it. I, the, the player who I liked playing with the most would have been Teddy Sheringham, who I also had, I was fortunate enough to play with him at um, West Ham as well. And he, he was always really a dream for a player like me to play with in terms of the service that he'd give you and how you could sort of bounce a ball into him and you could play a terrible ball into Teddy and he'd make it look like an absolute world years of a pass, which helped me a lot in particular. You've rolled off some names there now. There's no doubt that it was a world-class squad, but you've mentioned, you've mentioned Sir Alex. I want to just go back to it. You've touched a little bit on what, little things he did that made him special, but what was it about him? Just some of the qualities that he had, what made him so good over an extended period of time? And we're talking 20, 30 years. I think he always knew he had to have some, I don't think all his incredible qualities probably weren't tactical and that sort of thing. Obviously he had, obviously had that now, but it's a way that he just built relationships with everyone in terms of he'd treat, a young player like me with just as much respect as he'd treat a world-class player like Ryan Giggs. He'd treat the, the dinner ladies in the canteen with just as much as respect as he'd treat David Beckham. The same with the kit man. The way that he just treated everyone so... I think to have the longevity and the success he had, you've got to have everyone pulling in the same direction. And I think he just had that genius of being able to do that. People talk a lot about did you get the hairdryer treatment off him? And there was a couple of times where he did shout at me and I've seen him shout at other people, which is, of course, really scary. But the, the worst thing about it is that feeling of, of letting him down. It, it's the worst feeling in the world. And at the same time, if you've done something well and he said you'd done it well, there was no better feeling in the world. It'd make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. You'd feel a thousand foot tall because the manager had said you'd done something well. And it's... It's hard to pick out one thing, but it's just that 
aura that he had around him and the fact that everyone wanted to do even more than they could push themselves a little bit more for the man and at the same time for the football club. Luke, you played at United, Man United. You mentioned about Royal Antwerp. You've been to Reading. You played at Burnley, West Ham, Stoke, Norwich, Milton Keynes, Cambridge, and even represented England uh, at under 18s and 21s. Now, as a professional player, where did you enjoy playing the game the most and why? Probably, obviously, I played for Manchester United, which is a a huge honour, something that only a few people can say they achieved. And I'm really proud of myself for doing that. But at the same time, I was such a young lad. I don't think I maybe appreciated it that much at the time. I'd say where I was played my most consistent football in terms of staying fit and playing regularly would have been at MK Dons. But probably what I'm most proud of in my career is when, as I spoke to you earlier about of watching Cambridge United that first time and obviously growing up as a huge fan and supporting the team and fantasising all the time about scoring a goal and playing for the club. To have, to have done that and really to have done that off my, my own back, I was at MK Dons and I knew the old legs weren't going to last much longer and I approached Cambridge United and told them of my dream of wanting to play for them and then fortunately wanted me to go and to do that. So probably what I'm most proud of in the team that I played of was Cambridge United because I sort of done it for myself and I went and there's not that many people that can say they went and done that with what they dreamed of done as a child. So I've done that, to have done that makes me feel so happy that I can say that I lived out my dream all for a short period of time and all for probably not playing the best football of my career either because I was so bloody old at the time. <laughs> but it was still a dream come true. I have some fond memories. You were on a course I delivered over at St George's Park uh, some years ago now and, and, and happy memories of that course as well. And you'd have been in your mid-30s. I think you might have just finished playing you got yourself into a little bit of coaching at that point. Uh, and the competitiveness was still there. You, you know, we had, we had a female, a female on the course. And, uh, you know, players, people that really just, they weren't players. But you ran for every ball. You had to win. There was no doubt about it. I think you went and smashed some as well <laughs> in a, on a couple of challenges. And, and that was, it just... But yeah, you know, very humble and very approachable, which is which is which is great. What a great quality to have. Now, listen, I'm going to change the tack slightly. Most recently, you you spoke publicly on TV about mental health. Can you share with us what you experienced in your earlier years, and how did it affect everybody around you? Yeah. So what I spoke about when I broke into the Manchester United first team obviously was flying at the time just got in the team and was sort of loving it I think the attention then sort of came away from football I was never sort of comfortable with with being famous really like all I wanted to do was just play the game I didn't really want that other stuff that come with it and I think the other stuff that came with it for me was sort of real attention on the way that I looked at the time in terms of spotty face teeth that stuck out and it was a big thing started getting made of it in terms of on TV shows, in the media and that sort of thing. And it, I think you don't realise it at the time because 
you're just going through it, you're living life, but a bit like reflecting and thinking back, it did really affect me in a, a real negative way where I, re- I just hated the attention where all I'd do is go to football training, come home, I wouldn't want to go out. I was so scared of people shouting at me in the street or saying stuff about me because you sort of start to believe it as that is all you're known for, the way you looked. It's got nothing to do if you're a, a nice guy or a, or a good football player, or even a bad footballer. It had, it had nothing to do with that. And it, it really um, stunted my growth, I'd say, as a person for a period of time. Because as I mentioned earlier, I was so quiet anyway. I wouldn't really speak much about my feelings. Obviously, I was open with my parents and girlfriends, etc., about other things. But I'd never speak about what I was going through. If anyone asked me, I'd just sweep it under the carpet, say it's fine. Even at times, some younger lads might laugh about it. So I'd just feel like I'll laugh along about it too. Not wanting to anyone to know that it was really getting me down. Not in terms of on the pitch. I always felt happy on the pitch, but off the pitch, I was probably should have been the happiest years of my life playing for Manchester United. But it, it wasn't because of all the stuff that was going on around it, really. I mean, the cruelty of it all and then the ability to adjust into that lifestyle when comments are made about someone, you know, we either hide it, suppress it, and then at some point it'll come out in one way or another. But those comments also go deeper than that. They actually impact family life as well and everybody around you. How did it affect your family? Obviously, I'd moved away from home so my parents were back in Cambridge and whenever I didn't have any interest I didn't even think at that time how's it making them feel I was just sort of whenever they'd say anything and they didn't often because I'm sure they didn't want to bring it up too often I was so embarrassed about it really that it was such a a childish thing that I was questioning myself like something that had happened in a school playground and obviously in a school playground that sort of thing get said but you can give a little bit back I think it was the the repetition of it being on this TV show week in week out that was really getting to me my wife would, was girlfriend at the time was sort of working in the airport and she was just um, living her own life as it wasn't if she said anything I'd say it was fine so but no one knew how it was affecting me looking back now I'm sure it did upset him for my parents that's for sure I can imagine if that was happening to one of my children I'd be heartbroken about it thinking that they're getting horrible things said about them but in my mind at the time I was in such a privileged palace that I would never moan about it because I was playing for the best what have I got to moan about and because I was so embarrassed about it I just never never speak about it so I never sought out any help or opened up to anyone so that the point that I was trying to make when I was in the newspaper or the telly or whatever was just about when you are suffering like that it's it's definitely better to to talk about your problems rather than keep them bottled up that was the the point that I was really trying to get out and I think that maybe got lost a little bit in terms of just talking about the guys that that said the the nasty things to me which was never I've got no grudge against anyone really it was just a tv show that happened it was just how the how it made me feel when, what steps did you put in place then to, to help yourself? When did you know? At what point? How have you come to terms with it? 
I think 100% just dealt with it myself in terms I didn't ever seek any help around it. I think leaving Manchester United, I think the spotlight is obviously completely different once you've left Man United. I grew into myself a little bit. I started becoming a lot more confident in myself. Went to other clubs where it's a bit more, not as intense as Manchester United and just sort of was fine with it. I'd sort of, people would have, make a comment in the crowd, but I'd, I'd have the confidence then to, to say something back, not in a confrontational way, but just sort of light-hearted to turn it into a bit of a joke. And I think it just, it stopped really worrying me after a period of time. But I think obviously the big, biggest part of that was probably coming away from Man United, where it'd be the best one in the world. No one's that as bothered about you in terms of the pressure media once you go to another club. So, what advice would you give to anyone going through a similar health issue? Yeah, and I've, like, I've been asked this question loads, and obviously, like, my advice would be seek someone out and talk to them. But, and, like, the question's been asked, what would Luke Chadwick give the advice to the 18 year old Luke Chadwick? My advice would be go and talk about it, but the 18 year old Luke Chadwick wouldn't have heeded that advice because of the, the person he was. My, advice would be go and speak to someone, but I completely understand me saying that or anyone saying that doesn't make it any easier. I think it's that education around it. I, I was, if maybe if I do, all I knew was football, like we spoke about, and don't get me wrong, that's what I loved. So I'd left the day after I left school in Cambridge, I'd, the next day I moved to Manchester and all I cared about from the age of eight, nine was football. So I never, I never had any emotional intelligence. All I knew about was playing football so maybe an education around that from a younger age and that opportunity to learn about ourselves from the age of eight nine ten or through the schooling system would have helped me know myself better at 16 and then potentially at 19 18 19 when these things were happening have a better idea of how I deal with this but I'd, I had no idea how to deal with anything I mean going through this process did it affect your performance on the field at all I, I generally don't think it did in terms of football was the release. That is, that is all I'd do. Hand on heart, I'd say I didn't have enough in terms of staying fit or doing them extra bits and bobs that make you a world-class footballer that you have to be to stay at Manchester United for a period of time. And that That's the reason I, this, I, I don't think the abuse and that had an effect on where I ended up as a footballer. I'd say it was the other bits and bobs in terms of my body and staying fit and doing the right things. Like I say, all I cared about was football. So when all the rest were in the gym getting big and strong, I was just wanting to go home because I'd done my bit that I enjoyed for the day and probably didn't do enough of the other stuff to make myself that athlete that, that plays for Manchester United for 10 years. Luke, first off, thanks for sharing that. I think it's, it's admirable that you obviously spoke out about your experiences and there will be people that'll, that'll listen in that might be going through similar. But the one thing I've taken note from, not just that last question, but even the, the questions previous is, you touched on Sir Alex, how we made you feel. You touched on the experiences that you went through with the mental health and how you felt. It's something that we, we touch on in the book with the Myra Angelou quote, that people may forget what 
you've said they may forget what you've done. They'll never forget how you've made them feel. And I look at the way that Sir Alex made you feel and the way that you speak about him, even now you talk about him. And it, people ask, what was so good about Sir Alex? What was it that he did? That, how did he get this success? But then to hear from somebody that worked with him, what it was that he did so good, it's great. And I know it's very important, obviously, with everything else that you've, you've shared too around the feelings. I mean, look, you touched on it a little bit. If you could go back 10 to 15 years and we're just going across everything, what advice would you give to your younger self? What would you, you give to the young Luke Chadwick? I get asked a lot, like, what regrets have I got? And in terms of football, I've got no regrets, really. I, don't get me wrong, I didn't have an amazing career and win thousands, of, like, get hundreds of England caps, win, but it, it shaped me to the person I am today. The, the regret I've got, and if I went back and give myself some advice, it would be in terms of educating myself. Like I alluded to earlier, I was a under-14 Manchester United player who signed that schoolboy forms and completely down tools at school and decided that ain't for me. Why do I need to do that? I play for Man United and never tried, never done my exams, didn't do my college programme at Manchester United because I thought I'm just going to be a footballer and then got to the end of my career and I'd never real any intention of being a football coach. But because I'd not, my dream was always to do something completely out of football, something completely different. So the advice that I'd give myself as a 13, 14 year old Luke Chadwick would be concentrate on your school and make sure that you've got other things to work out for. Because people say, what's the plan B when you're at school? And they'll say, well, I don't need a plan B because I'm going to be a footballer. But you can only be a footballer for a certain amount of time. And I think realising now at 39 years old, maybe a couple of years ago, that I'm still a young guy who's got another life ahead of me now to, to do something that I hopefully will enjoy as much as football, although that is going to be quite tough, that's for sure. So you've got a young family. Do your sons play? Do they play any sports? And when you're watching and when you're around, if they do, how would you describe yourself? So I've got two boys. My eldest is 17 and he's a scholar at Cambridge United as a goalkeeper. So God knows where he got that from. And the youngest is uh, 14 and he's a centre-back at Cambridge United. So no idea. When my eldest boy started playing football, I was a nightmare. I had no sort of education. I was a professional footballer at the time. And I was of the opinion he needs to be the best player he needs to work harder than everyone else because he's my son, which is completely wrong. I was terrible. A terrible football father is how I describe myself. I think having gone through some education, think about how I'm making other people feel. This is at the age when he was six, seven. So at the age when he played for a period of time, and I'd understand things a little bit better. I take a complete step back and I'm quite a cool, calm, collected father watching their kids play now I don't make any com comment on their performance and if they ask me advice I'll give them my advice and tell them what I think they could do my only advice is when it stops being fun get out of it don't play the game you, if you want to have a career not even a career in football all my dream is to see my kids at 40 years old like me and they still love football 
that's all that matters. Like I've got no, it's, it, it's so hard to become a professional footballer. I was one of the lucky ones that managed to do it, but it's all about too many kids now, I think. It's just about arriving as a professional footballer and the whole process is out the window. They're just looking to be a footballer when the process is what the fun bit is, isn't it? It was, it's so much fun playing football at 9, 10, 11, 12, but it's got to be fun all the way through. So I am a more educated father now watching my children play football and a lot less, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. Luke, you mentioned fun quite a lot. Enjoyment and enthusiasm is oozing from every pore of your body. Now, you're involved in a company called the Football Fun Factory. What's all that about? So the Football Fun Factory is completely different to anything I've ever been involved with before. When I sort of stopped playing, I never didn't have a plan together. Probably struggled a fair bit after I stopped playing mentally to be in a good place. Sort of fell into a job in the academy at Cambridge United where I met some fantastic people. It was a great job, but it just weren't, I weren't passionate about it. I was just doing it because it was a means to an end, really. I could never see myself doing it for the rest of my life. I had no ambition of being a first-team manager, a first-team coach. It just didn't appeal to me. So a couple of ex-colleagues started this football fun factory, and it's all around, make, as the name suggests, making football fun. So it's we've got programmes for children from two years to 12 years, and it's, it's not about developing academy or professional footballers. All it is about is being passionate about the participation and sort of using football as a vehicle to really promote positive life skills like communication, teamwork, encouragement, hard work, that sort of thing. So as much as it is about football, it's about developing good people or helping people become better and understanding themselves. And at the same time, hoping that in terms of academy footballs, like making that 1%, this is for the other 99%, but who still deserve football just as much. They still deserve high quality coaching. And we just, our ambition is to have kids all over the world eventually loving football because their first experience of it was through the, the football fun factory. So like I say, I'm, it's completely different to me. I've gone from coaching the under 18s at Cambridge United to in my local village hall, 11 two to four year old kids running amok, me not having a clue what I'm doing. But at the end of the session, they're going back with a going home with a huge smile on their face. Can't wait for football next week, which to be honest with you, gives me as much joy as it does seeing the next player come through at Cambridge United. Your enthusiasm, Luke, is infectious. It, it's I can understand, you know, the players will be running in. Little two-year-olds, little nappy-changing stuff, isn't it, that? Through to your 12-year-olds. I think it's, it's wonderful and the engaging and empowering manner in which you communicate your messages will be, uh, be awe-inspiring for all those that are present. How can people get hold of... Uh, where do they, how can they connect with you? So, I'm absolutely useless with the old social media. I think I've told you that before, Keith. But if, it's all over... Facebook, Twitter, under the Football Fun Factory. There's a website, www.footballfunfactory.co.uk, which has got all the information of the programmes. At the moment, it's around the Cambridge area, but we do hope to 
to grow and grow and have loads of little football fun factories all over the world eventually. Well, good luck with all of that. Luke, can I, I'm going to thank you on behalf of David and myself. I'm sure David will, will he'll thank you on his own shortly, but it's been wonderful. I mean, I'm listening to someone here that I just, if you want to engage anyone, you've got to engage them from the, out, from the inside out. You, know, you can get, come on, be enthusiastic players. And really what you've got to do is look yourself in the mirror coach and the energy comes from inside. And I just sense that. Straight away. Yeah, I mean, you've, this has been wonderful listening to you, listening to your stories, listening to your experiences as well and your, your honesty. So thank you very much for giving us this gift to be interviewing you today. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm talk, going back to that psychology course that I've done with you some years ago, Keith. And I remember, you might not remember yourself. I remember a couple of mornings running I was fortunate enough to catch you in breakfast and we had our breakfast together. And I remember you talking to me with so much enthusiasm and so much love. And you were talking about David and your family and your little dog. And I remember it so clearly. And that did really help me a lot in terms of trying to improve my communication. I learned a lot on that course in terms of in the classroom, but probably more of them two breakfast meals that we had together, just learning from the way that you expressed yourself. Well, I think... You may have, and the listeners as well, might have heard that little dog yapping away midway through this interview. I think he's, uh, it might have been chew stick time and he's not been getting the attention he needed. So I think he might have been yapping away. But look, Luke, from me, thank you. For, my dad said it. I think your energy is infectious. The way that you articulate your message is absolutely top class. And I have absolutely no doubt that Football Fun Factory will be a lot of fun and um, if you're taking applications for 28 year olds I'll uh, sign me up and I'll be in and I'm playing <laughs> or, or, or over 30s as well and I'll include myself in that we'll get something sorted out <laughs> thanks Luke cheers guys it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for having me on Thanks for tuning in to the Golders podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Your continued support is highly appreciated and it means so much to us knowing that the content that's being produced is providing value in people's lives. If you would like to know more or get more information from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast, and also you can visit our website at www.golddust.com mentoring.com Thank you everybody